Hey, Unnaturalists, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome back to your favorite true crime podcast, Unnatural. So, Emily is on break, but we are happy to bring in a very special guest, someone who I've known for a number of years and lives in the state that we're going to be talking about today, Ryan. Ryan, welcome to Unnatural. (laughs) Thanks for having me. We are so happy to have you. I know you're a yoga instructor. I don't know. How much do you want to tell us about yourself? I'm Ryan. I'm married, so don't ask. <laughs> I have th- <laughs> I have enough problems. <laughs> I have three kids, and they are what I, you know, they're everything I pour into. But on the side, yes, I do teach yoga, and it's a passion of mine. I really enjoy all of what comes with it. It's changed my life, so that's what I focus on. But I also collect bones and make weird shit with it. So that's me. <laughs> Kind of in a nutshell. Well, if you want, we can plug some of your artwork a little bit later today as well. But (laughs) this case, Ryan, I specifically wanted to bring you in for it because it happened in your own backyard. Blooming Prairie is located in southeastern Minnesota. It's a small town. One of those places where unless you're from that area, you merely just pass it by in the blink of an eye on your way to somewhere else. But it's okay. Right. But it's a, it, <laughs> it is a community with a tight bond. And the families that live there go back many generations. It's just off U.S. Highway 218. And I'm sure you've been there a number of times, Ryan. It's surrounded on all sides by corn and soybean fields. There's really nothing else that's around. That that's yeah, that pretty much sums it up. It hasn't really grown or lost population over the past 40 or 50 years. It's been around 2,000 people for a long time. It has a number of churches, bars, some bars that maybe I have frequented before, (laughs) (laughs) family-owned businesses, and it's perhaps best known for its high school sports teams that always do well in the state of Minnesota, they're called the Blooming Prairie Awesome Blossoms. Which, yeah, they have to make up for that name. Do you know why how they got that name, the Awesome Blossoms? I will I say- I don't, but it's, it's unique. unfortunate. It's unique. <laughs> it's unfortunate because it does not intimidate when you hear it on the roster. <laughs> right. It's not like the Warriors or something. <laughs> yeah, they come in by surprise, though, because uh, they are like- they do well. Yeah. You're you're correct. They, they do do well. They punch above their weight, that's for sure. But um it was one of those small Midwest towns where front doors remain unlocked. Everybody knows everybody by their first names, like one of those old-fashioned TV shows from the 50s or something. At least that was until the spring of 2018. Now, for the people who lived in Blooming Prairie, it was almost surreal seeing their town at the center of a murder case that made it into the national headlines. But this wasn't just any old murder case. It involved a local grandmother who was also a compulsive gambler turned murderer who led authorities on a wild goose chase around the country where sadly she killed again. This is the story of Lois Reese.
Now, David Reese was born and raised in the nearby city of Rochester, Minnesota, which is home to the world-famous Mayo Clinic Hospital, one of the great hospitals in the entire world. Sounds like he was kind of a practical joker when he was in school, but he was also that guy that you could always count on. He graduated from Mayo High School in 1981 and almost immediately enlisted into the U.S. Navy. And he was stationed in San Diego, California, and that's where he met Lois. The two only had a short courtship before they were wed in September of 1982. David was just a pup at the time, 19 years old, and Lois was just 20. Yeah, see, he didn't spend enough time getting to know her, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they say you should kind of be with somebody for a number of years before you actually marry him. Yeah, you got to test drive that. (laughs) It's weird because they met in Southern California, but she was from Rochester, Minnesota, too. And she was actually the second youngest of five kids. Her father was an engineer in Rochester at IBM. Wow. Yeah. still they had money, too. Yeah, they did. She grew up pretty wealthy. It sounds like she didn't have the greatest relationship with her mother, at least in her teenage years, as she was quite embarrassed by her mother's hoarding. She would have hated it in my family then, because (laughs) there's a lot of hoarding going on. I don't know about you growing up. Did you have a hoarder in your family at all? Or? Um, a little bit. I a little bit. Not it was kind of by like association. Okay. One of those where like we knew somebody who um, was a giant hoarder. Uh, yeah. 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 I have never gone into their house. I don't know that I would have liked it. Right. Because I am yeah. I'm not yeah, sentimental no. really myself. I, I don't always hang on to things. I get rid of them. So I've never had that problem. I think, you know, the only way that I am it would engage in, in hoarding and I guess, you know, I'm staring at these boxes of all these things where I'm like, I'm going to make something with that. Right. And <laughs> That's how and it yet, starts. That's it, how it uh, starts. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> so unlike David... Lois apparently left school in 11th grade without graduating. It's unclear what she was doing in Southern California, but her and David wasted no time. Once they got married, the two quickly had three children in the span of four years. They had a boy, a girl, and another boy. That's pretty quick. That'll make make somebody crazy too, though. Yeah. So... Later, her youngest son, Brayden, would go on to say that his mother would always put her kids first and herself second. For much of their lives, David was a forklift driver at Crenlow Manufacturing in Rochester, and Lois was a daycare provider out of her home. And by all accounts, she was absolutely fantastic at her job and came highly recommended she would even give like hot sandwiches to the mothers who were coming in to drop off their kids which i don't think happens very often when you're dropping your kids off at daycare i don't know but that is yeah no no. yeah if anything they're asking you for more stuff (laughs) right but it was dave's dream to actually open a worm wax farm 
I had to actually look up what a worm wax farm was. I had no idea. But in yes, two- please tell because I, I I have never heard that before. Okay, I'll t- I'll tell you in just a second. In two thousand five, the couple and their family moved to Blooming Prairie, where they opened Prairie Wax Worm Farms. I actually went on Chat GPT to ask what a worm wax farm was, and apparently, it's a facility where wax worms, which are the larvae of the wax moth, are bred and cultivated for various purposes, primarily as bait for fishing or lizards. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I guess he made quite a bit of money doing that. I didn't know there was that much of a demand for that in Blooming Prairie, but apparently there was. I mean, the lizards got to (laughs) eat. Well, and I guess these... Wax worms, they're very high in protein, so they're kind of a hot commodity in the yeah, uh, my kids actually caught a toad over the su- over this summer, and we had it in a tank outside, yeah. and we ended up going to the local pets and fish, yeah, to get some wax worms because that's what we needed i did, I guess I didn't even think about the fact that that's what they were called, yeah. But, but that's what they were, yeah. The toad loved them. So <laughs> he also would highly recommend these wax worms. Well, and it's crazy because if this murder had not have happened, you might have went to this prairie wax worms farm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I suppose. So he didn't have any did he have any business partners? Or did that did it, that shut down? It did end this? up closing down. I checked it. Oh, okay. it, it said it's permanently closed now. Unfortunately, only a handful of months after they moved, their home actually burned down in February of 2006 in a fire that destroyed just about everything. And sadly, it even killed the family's cats, which is oh terrible. I know. It sounds like the cause of the fire was due to faulty wiring. And you know this being from the area, the local community stepped up in a big way and it took up a collection for the Reese family. And with the help of their neighbors, they actually rebuilt their home, a modest three-bedroom, two-bath house that also would serve as a daycare center in town. And not long after, her kids began to have kids of their own. And Lois was that typical grandma that spoiled the shit out of her grandkids. We all know that grandma. (laughs) She gave them cell phones. ATVs, all kinds of stuff. Wow. And she also was integrating herself into the local Blooming Prairie community at the time. She joined a women's bowling league at Bunky's Grill and Lanes. Some of the local women remember her as fun-loving and always having a smile. I know what you're probably thinking. Where does it go wrong? But That's yeah, yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. What? When did she get mad? She sounds like a great lady. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure you're talking about the right person here? We'll get there. But Dave, he was a decent bowler as well. But apparently his game of choice was pool, which he would play at the local pizza cellar in Blooming or in the back room at J&H Liquors. In fact, J&H Liquors would be the last place where Dave was spotted alive. His friends recalled seeing him there on March 2nd, 2018, just drinking, shooting the shit, shooting some pool. 
and talking about his favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings, who, as usual, had just came up one game short in the NFL playoffs. It's kind of a thing for Minnesota Vikings fans. So that's the last time any of his friends saw him alive. As he and Lois went to Wisconsin to watch their grandson play in a basketball tournament shortly thereafter. On March 12th, this is where things start to get a little weird here, Ryan. Lois briefly came into the worm shop, told the employees that Dave wasn't feeling very good and that he was probably going to be out for a few days and that she would be out as well because she had to take care of him. But as the week went on and on and still no Dave, his employees began to get worried and be like, what the hell? What's going on here? Because he didn't call them. He didn't email them. He didn't message them. Nothing. They didn't hear anything from him. Kind of weird. And Dave did have a history of stomach issues, but those who worked at the worm wax farm never remembered hearing him being out like this before. And his buddies at work remembered, in fact, one day Dave actually kind of said out of nowhere to them, quote, if I ever go missing, you come looking for Lois, end quote which is not exactly the sign of a healthy marriage. That's say. alarming. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever said Red that flag. about one of my ex-girlfriends. <laughs> I don't hmm. think. This kind of went on for a while, all the way into the following week, actually, until Lois told Dave's employees that he was kind of feeling a little bit better, not, a, not good enough to come to work, apparently, but good enough to go to a fishing tournament in Illinois that they had planned on attending. Except the day that Dave was supposed to depart, his employees didn't see Dave. They saw Lois in his Escalade leaving by herself. If you're going to leave and you're supposed to have somebody with you, <laughs> maybe don't take the main road. <laughs> I was thinking that too, or maybe leave in the dead of night when the employees haven't shown up for work yet or something. If she's, I mean. Yeah, here she's just acting like every, everything's normal. You're right. Yeah. But everything wasn't normal. And in truth, as you probably already guessed, Dave never had been sick because he had been deceased for over a week, lying in the bathroom of his home while Lois was going in and out of the home, making her plans. The next day, Dave's co-workers called the police, and that night, local law enforcement stepped into one of the most heinous scenes the community of Blooming Prairie has ever experienced. On the Friday evening of March 23rd, 2018, Blooming Prairie, Minnesota Police Department, dispatched two officers to investigate the whereabouts of David Reese. And as mentioned, concerns arose as none of Dave's employees or his business partner had been in contact with him for nearly two weeks. Calls had gone unanswered. And although there were responses to the text messages, they were kind of on the weird side. Dave had been known for dictating messages. Typically, this kind of resulted in words running together, 
But these replies were very proper in their punctuation. It's like, mm. that's a little sus too. It, if you know a person well enough and you have texted with them enough, you kind of know if someone's pretending to be them in text messages. On top of that, how weird Lois was acting was ultimately what led coworkers to call the police. And when they arrived, it was unusually cold outside with quite a lot of snow on the ground. Ryan, as you know, in Minnesota, March can be just as cold and snowy as January, unfortunately. It's like you think you're about to get into spring and then there's like a second winter. Well, we still get <laughs> snow in May. I know. I know. Yeah. When the cops got there, they knocked on the door. Of course, it went unanswered. They kind of circled around to the back of the house and they saw that there was a light that was on in the bathroom window. So they decided to look into it a little bit further. And one of the guys actually lifted the other guy up to take a look inside. And that's when he saw a dead body covered with a blanket. <sighs> oh, fuck, dude. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's what he said when he saw that, too. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, like, oh, shit, this just got real. Remember, you're a police officer. Remember, you're training. Well, you're a police officer in Blooming Prairie, Minnesota. You don't see a lot of murders there. Yeah, it's pretty quiet. So, you know, may have been the first body of. His yeah, career. he probably thought he was just going to have an entire career of just giving people speeding tickets. <laughs> maybe, Gotta meet my quota. Yeah. <laughs> But so they immediately called in assistance from two deputies of the Dodge County Sheriff's Office. The officers entered the house. There they found David Reese on the floor, and he had sustained two gunshot wounds from a twenty-two handgun. One was in the chest. One was in the back. A bullet had kind of gone through his forearm and that suggested that he had actually tried to shield himself from the killer. And the county coroner would later say that he had been deceased for at least 10 days, if not longer, because his body showed signs of rigor mortis, basically, without, mm -hmm. without getting into too much detail. Yeah, so he probably tried to shield himself and yeah. then when he fell she made sure and shot him in the back shot him again yeah yeah that's but it's weird because i read about this and who knows if it's true this is what some psychologists say that if someone covers up a dead body after they kill the person with a blanket or with towels which is what happened with david that it's a sign of remorse I don't know if that's accurate or not, but <laughs> or they can't stand to look at it. Well, but that, yeah, that's I mean, true. yeah, but just thought I'd throw that out there. But also of note, on the same day that his body was discovered, law enforcement learned that eleven thousand dollars had recently been transferred from Dave's business account to his personal account, mm. and three checks were written from Dave's personal account to Lois totaling in, you guessed it, $11,000. Not really a surprise, I guess. This doesn't sound like it was premeditated at all. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. This sounds like she she lost her shit and mm-hmm. something happened and then she had to figure out what to do from there. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to get to what happened. But as news began to trickle out, the local people of Blooming Prairie, as you can imagine, were in complete shock. Dave was known as just an all-around great guy. He had a happy demeanor. He was a guy who kind of would give anybody, even if he barely knew them, the shirt off his back. And neighbors, family members, and friends also began asking the most obvious question. Where was Lois Reese? intrigued by the dark side of things like murder, kidnapping, and sex cults? What about when the criminal is your favorite musician or actor or director or writer? Hollywood might look like all glitz and glamour until you take a closer look. But I'll tell you one thing, that kind of point of view can make you more vulnerable. From Roman Polanski to Mackenzie Phillips to Judith Barcy to Kurt Cobain, Summer predators and summer prey. I'm Dee Dee West, and I just might ruin your childhood. Follow my podcast, Broken Limelight, where I cover celebrity true crime stories. For more information, visit brokenlimelight.com. Again, that's Broken Limelight. Follow it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. As it turns out, Lois was heading south. First, just a handful of miles across the Iowa border to the Diamond Joe Casino. Now, I actually know this place, Ryan, because I've never actually been to this casino myself. I'm not much of a gambler. But when I lived in Minnesota, where you live, I would always stop at the gas station adjacent to the Diamond Joe Casino on my way back to Iowa to visit my family because it was right off the interstate there. Yeah, it's hard to miss. Yeah, I'm sure you've yeah you've seen it before. We've driven by. I've never been in. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I, I, you're. Are you a gambler at all? I don't. <laughs> no. No way. <laughs> it's like when you don't have a lot of money, you certainly certainly don't want to throw it away. <laughs> it's that's why they call it gambling. It your the odds are not in your favor. Exactly. Yeah, but I don't know. That's why they don't let any savants in. Very true. And guess who else stopped at that gas station? Lois Reese. And Lois, as it turns out, was a massive gambling addict and had occurred huge debts in recent years. In fact, it was later found that she had embezzled thousands of dollars that was meant for her sick sister who she was a caregiver for, just kind of- Oh, so she was like a secret psycho. Yeah. How do you even keep that under wraps for that long? For a very long time. And 
while she was at this gas station, Lois asked the cashier how to get south from there towards Mexico, which is kind of a weird question since Interstate 35 literally goes south all the way to the Mexico border, but maybe she didn't know that. (laughs) Okay, Boomer, use an atlas. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Well, and even the cashier was like, the cashier was like, you just keep going on this road, (laughs) ma'am. Yeah, I'm not going to raise any suspicion at all by asking dumb questions. Well, and he just thought it was a dumb question. But the thing is, is he had seen her on television later. The reason this is important is because when word got out that Lois was a person of interest in her husband's death, this cashier remembered her. Because she asked a dumb question. (laughs) Don't ask dumb questions if you don't want to draw attention to yourself. Yeah, if she had never, if she had known how to get south, she, he never would have, you know, thought of her and maybe she would have gotten away with it. Who knows? Yeah, she but, grew up rich, never learned how to use a map. <laughs> but he calls the police, reports it. Now, not much is known about her whereabouts for the next couple of days, but at least police had a lead here. They were already kind of looking towards the Mexico border, but she actually decided to go all the way down to Florida instead. Where the real crazies live. (laughs) (laughs) Apologies to any of our listeners in Florida for that. (laughs) It's really close to the Bermuda Triangle. I'm just saying. That's one of the reasons probably. (laughs) On April 2nd, Tess Coster, a Blooming Prairie resident who also had another home in Fort Myers, Florida, just happened to be kind of tinkering around in her garage when she saw a woman walking up her driveway. Now, she was completely beside herself because she recognized this woman to be Lois Reese, a woman she knew from back in Minnesota. But she was also aware of what had happened to David Reese because she had been talking to some of her friends back in Blooming Prairie. So I'm sure she was probably pretty freaked out at that moment. Um, (laughs) Wouldn't you be? I'd be like, (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing here, buddy? (laughs) Sweating. Well, that's when I just closed the garage door. (laughs) (laughs) Real quick, while I hit record on my phone, damn. The two locked eyes with one another, and Lois panics. She backs off and says, oh, my mistake, wrong house, (laughs) and took off in her Escalade. She saw it on her face. She knew. Yeah, she knew, and she panicked. and She She must have also not thought that that woman would be home. I don't know what she was thinking, to be honest. Well, I mean, either she didn't think she was home or she saw the saw it on her face. Yeah. And was and and it registered that there was a problem. She knows. She knows that I'm a killer. She knows. And she knows. (laughs) (laughs) And so Tess never sees her again. So weird. And Tess immediately goes inside. Except in her dreams. Well, yeah, in her nightmares. <laughs> so Tess immediately goes inside, tells her husband what just happened, and I'm sure he's 
freaked the fuck out too. They called the local police back in Blooming Prairie when the police asked her why she thought Lois just randomly showed up at her place down in Florida while she was on the run. She actually had an answer for them. She said, well, we look an awful lot alike, insinuating that maybe Lois had come down there to take her identity. Sometimes your intuition is correct. Yeah, that kind of sounds crazy, but you're right. We're obviously not talking about a stable person here. Right. Maybe while she was driving, she was trying to think of ways that she could get out of this, and she thought she could either kill Tess or take her identity. Who knows? Safer place probably would have been in the in the bayou. (laughs) (laughs) Just disappear, man. Don't try to take anybody's identification. You don't do that shit in Florida. It doesn't. (laughs) Does um, not fly. We are already suspicious. Yeah, the police kind of ran with this theory that Lois was looking to take over someone else's life as a way of escaping her own. Now, luckily, Tess came out of this crazy incident unscathed, but Lois hadn't given up on the idea of taking someone else's identity. It was on April 9th when a hotel in Fort Myers noticed that its resident, Pamela Hutchinson, who was supposed to check out that morning, hadn't done so yet. And you know how hotels are. If you're not out in time. They're coming for you. (laughs) (laughs) They're coming. Take the back stairwell. They send their staff to check on her. And that's, that's when they found Pamela dead in her bathroom, shot with a 22, the same gun that had killed Dave. And also covered in towels. Now, So didn't even try to work on that MO? Nothing? No. Didn't change it up at all. But her ID was missing, as was her car and all of her money. Barely in an, an investigation. She's leaving all the breadcrumbs. <laughs> she is not We're just good. following you at this point. <laughs> She's not good at covering her tracks here. No. Local police started looking through surveillance footage of this hotel and they did notice this other woman around Pamela all the time and this woman also kind of looked very similar to Pamela. Lois as it turns out had met Pamela at a bar a few days earlier and they hit it off apparently became besties in a very short time. She got her talking. Yep and Pamela was actually there in town to support one of her friends who had just lost her husband. So she was going to go help her friend spread his ashes. And that's why she was in Fort Myers at this hotel. On April 5th, Pamela was seen at the Smoking Oyster Brewery with Lois. And this was the last known footage of her before her death. The next morning, a woman called the front desk of the hotel and asked to have her stay extended for three extra days. The hotel said, yeah, that's fine. Well, this was obviously Lois who did this, and she had already killed Pamela when she made the call. But she wanted a good three-day head start before the body was discovered, which is just cold-blooded. Can you believe this? I mean... I I guess they're like it's a little because my brain is like 
Um, why wouldn't you have tried to get the body out of the hotel? Right. Check out on time per use. Yeah. End that trail there. And I'm not trying to give any suggestions. No. <laughs> to but, like, but damn, she's really bad at this. Thank she goodness. is. She was very, yeah, thank God she was so bad at this because it made it easier to catch her. Unfortunately, they didn't catch her soon enough, though, because she yeah. did just kill Don't another person. Don't tell anybody about your life. If they get yeah. you talking. <laughs> the hotel also found footage of Lois from the night before where she was taking a bunch of Pamela's items out of her car in trash bags. Also, later that day, bank records indicated that Pamela's bank account had $5,000 withdrawn from it. So Lois hits the road with Pamela's car and heads west. She's got all this extra money now. She can go gamble on her way to Texas. And she's basically riding the highways along the coast of the Gulf of Mexico. So she's going up from Florida, over through Louisiana, and eventually into Texas. Which is where authorities thought she was headed in the first place after they got that tip from the cashier, so they were ready for her. She uses Pamela's money and ID along the way to pay for lavish hotels, food, and travel expenses. And I remember living and working in Minnesota at this time, and obviously I was on a radio station, so we were constantly like reading the news and stuff. At work, we were wondering amongst ourselves where she was headed. And everybody at work was like, oh, she's got to be going to Texas to try and get to Mexico. And sure enough, that's exactly what she was doing. She just happened to be heading to the exact spot where everybody thought she was going to be. So Predictable. It, it probably won't surprise you to find out that she got got. People in Texas, they were watching the news too. Luckily, they were because on April 19th, a hotel employee named George Higginbottom called the police and told them that he recognized the woman that he had seen on the news. She had been staying at his hotel in South Padre Island, Texas, which, by the way, is just 20 miles from the Mexico border. So she did almost make it to Mexico, which is crazy. After all these tracks that she left, you know? <laughs> My God. I don't know how they didn't catch her sooner, to be honest, but he calls the police. They put out the APB. They find Lois pretty quickly as she was eating lavishly at this local seafood restaurant when they found Just her. Just drawing a shit ton of attention to herself. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And sometimes I, I think people secretly want what? to be caught. Yeah. And maybe she did. Maybe there was a little part of her that did. I mean, because as we mentioned, maybe there was some remorse for killing her husband. Who knows? That or, and and I know that, you know, she, what you said about her her father or being an engineer for IBM, she was probably used to a particular lifestyle. Yeah, that's true. And it's, it's something where when you, as a parent, when you put all this focus aside to onto your kids. You put all this focus onto your kids and all these things that you kind of sacrifice. You think later in life, I'll I'll kind of I'll reconnect with that part of myself. Well, yeah. 
I'll she do did better for than a, my for a hot second. Yeah, <laughs> trying to live lavishly in hotels, but uh, well, and she was probably thinking, "Look, I don't want to deal with this worm wax farm anymore. I'm gonna live the high life." Right. You know? It makes me curious what kind of arguments or disagreements that that couple had before he was killed. Before yeah. he was killed, it just it makes me curious because people are really good at masking. Mm-hmm. I've noticed I'm not that great at it. Everything happens <laughs> on my face. So, you know, right. thank God I'm a decent person. Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise, I I don't know. That's nuts. Absolutely nuts. But hotels, they see the the craziest of the crazies. They, they may do. look nice, but if those walls could talk. And thankfully, this guy was paying attention and yeah. she was caught. So in May of 2018, Lois was first extradited back to Florida and was indicted the next month for first degree murder. It was interesting at the time because people were like, okay, is she going to be extradited to Minnesota where she committed her first crime or to Florida where she committed her most recent murder? And apparently Texas was just like, hey, whoever gets here first can have her. So (laughs) I guess it was Florida They got to her first where she was indicted for first degree murder, but she was found guilty there of the murder of Pamela Hutchinson and began to serve her time before eventually being extradited back to Minnesota where it all began. And after a lot of back and forth, she eventually did a plea deal and she pled guilty to murdering her husband, David Reese in August of 2020 in Dodge County Court and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And that's the crazy tale of Lois Reese. The Man, I am. it makes me so curious. Like, what was going through your mind? Well, like, and what possessed you to lose your ever-loving shit? I think it's the gambling <laughs> addiction. I mean, I think that's a part of it, at least a component, because... You know, gambling is an addiction just like any other addiction, and it can lead you down a terrible path. It does for a lot of people. Yeah, it's. It's that's rough. That's really I mean, and I think about. When it comes to addiction, everybody's got their thing, right? We've all got our our little coping mechanisms. Our vices. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever they're born out of. But some people just have this darkness to them that you don't don't even see coming. But they're yeah. and maybe they don't see often, it coming at first. Well, and know? more often than not, like there's something about them that might give you the ick, but they're yeah. like they're nice. So you're like, oh, I'll forgive this weird gut feeling I have about this person. <laughs> I don't have much more to get to here. If you want to discuss this case in further detail, or you want to see any of the pictures of the grandma killer, or you want to just give Ryan a shout out for doing an amazing job hanging out with us today, come check us out on our socials. You can find us on Instagram, Unnatural the Podcast. Find us on Facebook, Unnatural True Crime Podcast. Uh, Ryan, we got rid of Twitter or X as they call it now, because Elon Musk went crazy. But you oh, can also- I don't even have a Twitter. <laughs> Me neither. 
<laughs> but um, <laughs> also, you can uh, email us unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. Ryan, it has been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. My dude, the honor's all mine. <laughs> And in honor of my fabulous co-host, Emily, who is taking a well-deserved break, let's send it over to her one more time to say... But as always, be sure to make good choices. And don't get got. I know you're a yoga instructor, so I was going to tell you a yoga pun, but I thought that would be a bit of a stretch. I actually wrote that down. Oh, my God. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) That was just the icebreaker to make you feel more comfortable here on the show. (laughs) That was good. Hmm. So I was, like, afraid to leave lights on in my house because (laughs) if I, like, God forbid I had my radio on in my room, like my boom box, and, like, left the room to go to the bathroom or go get a snack downstairs. Turn that shit down! Come back, and my stepdad's, like, turned off every... Like, turned off my... I'm like, what? I was gone for, like, ten minutes. (laughs) That's ten minutes where the radio was on and nobody was listening. Well, I mean, realistically, I was listening to, like, System of a Down, so I guess I kind of get it. Yeah, in the background, it's it's going like, (laughs) fuck the system, fuck the system! (laughs) (laughs) in a fire that destroyed just about everything and sadly it even killed the family's cats which is terrible i know it's like when i'm watching a movie if the cat or the dog dies like that's worse than a person i'm done i'm done zo (laughs) don't you dare show me marley and me or something like that (laughs) This is too emotionally vulnerable. I have to go. (laughs) (laughs) And for our listeners, just because they can't see you, you went through this entire podcast with a sock on your microphone, and I appreciate that. Sock on the microphone, vertebrae on the hoops. That's how I roll.